Recently, Newsweek and Statista published a list of 300 companies from a pool of 2,000 that made it on their list of America's most responsible companies 2020. How they chose the companies, the key performance indicators they looked at, financial, environmental, and social, plus what they asked in an independent public survey is going to be key and super valuable to your company's own CSR strategy. Stick around with us today to learn more. Welcome to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast, where we equip, empower, and encourage business leaders, CSR professionals, and everyday superheroes with uncomplicated tools to create more socially and environmentally responsible companies. Now, here are your hosts, Barbara Anderson and Janet Craig. Welcome to episode 12 of the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. This podcast is titled America's Most Responsible Companies, 2020. Hi, I'm Janet Craig, one of the founding partners of Destination Better, the company who brings you the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. And I'm Barbara Anderson, the other founding partner of Destination Better. And we are so excited to talk about this research, which just came out, was just published November 2019. So as we record this, it's super, super fresh. We love fresh research and data. <laughs> fresh data is a good thing. If it's a year old, forget it. No, that's not true. <laughs> and what's unique about this is that this was published by Newsweek magazine. And um, the company who provided the data was Statista. And what's interesting to us is that in previous episodes, we've talked about how corporate social responsibility or CSR has become mainstream. This is just another sign with Newsweek, a publication as large as that, is investing in this and putting a stake in the game. And so what Janet and I really liked about it was that the methodology was robust or hardy enough to really cover all the bases. But at the same time, it was simple. And there's a lot of rating systems. And so as we look at this one, we thought this would be a really good example for our listeners who are either trying to introduce corporate social responsibility at their company, or maybe if they already have, that this is maybe where they could tweak theirs to make sure that they're doing everything they can and being as smart as they can and making sure that what they do invest time or money is really what their stakeholders are looking for, right? And I think that the approach that they use in their methodology makes it seem achievable for anyone. And they're yeah, so transparent. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. great. And um, yeah, I'm excited to, to go over this today. So we're going to give you a quick download. Uh, and we will have a download, actually, <laughs> linked to the research and also our key findings from that. So that'll be at destinationbetter.com slash 12 for episode 12. So the four phases that companies went through, which actually I think they didn't even know they were going through this. They were surprised when this came out. Um, from what we understand from some of the companies on this. But they looked at the largest, the top 2,000 public companies by revenue with headquarters in the United States. So that's the general, that's what they started with, right? That's the big pool. And then what we found really interesting is that 
the companies who published a CSR report or sustainability or corporate citizenship, if they published information on their environmental, social, and governance, they were included in the next phase. But if they didn't have a public document with environment, social, and governance, out they went. They were not even included in this. So take note, because we know there's a lot of companies in the top 2,000 who do not have one. I think the Fortune 100... There's only one, only one that doesn't. (laughs) So that's important. That was the second phase. The third is they looked at, and we'll go through these, the environment, social and corporate governance KPIs are key performance indicators. And something that we are going to share at the end, which we find super interesting, is they added a survey of 6,500 U.S. citizens asking for their perception of these companies. And in previous episodes, we've talked about how the brand is not just owned by the company anymore. (laughs) And this is further indication that companies uh, are being evaluated from a number of different directions. And so this one was based on the 6,500 people perception of the companies. And we'll go through what questions they were asked. And then finally, they calculated the store score. They put 70% weight on the key performance indicators or the KPIs, and then 30% based on the perception of the companies. And within that, they put an equal weight on environment, social, and in governance. So each of those got 33%. So hopefully that's not too complicated, but we'll have the information on our website at destinationbetter.com slash 12 for anybody who wants to go through that. So what we thought we'd do, anything else on that, on the methodology so far, Janet? No, I just, when when I look at this document, because it's designed really well too, their report, mm-hmm. it it just, I'm, I'm just going to say it again, it makes it look so achievable. And the thing is that mm-hmm. this is where investors are trying to get their information, mm-hmm. People, millennials, Gen Zs are trying to get information to see if they even want to come and work at your company. Right. And just the fact that they did this and they published the report, very transparent about their methodology. This is where the market's going. We call it the modern market. That's right. This is where we are. So they resulted in 300 companies and they broke them down by industry, 14 different industries. And so we won't go into those, but they're common ones that you would be familiar with. And so what made it nice is if you're in the industry, you could see where you ranked within that industry of the 14. You can go on their website and you can definitely take a look by industry and see where you are. So do you want to kick us off here? Um, We're going to go through what the KPIs, the key performance indicators were for each environment social and governance and Janet's expertise is environment. So we're going to have her walk through those. Mm -hmm. So on the environment side, they were looking at waste, emissions, energy use, water use, and environmental engagement. And if you've never heard of something called an intensity factor, um, I'm going to tell you what it is. So an intensity factor is just two numbers that are divided together or divided through each other. So if you tell me that your company used 100 gallons of water and I say, well, my company used 50 gallons of water, but the product that I put out was much you know, less than yours or they divide them through so that they can actually see based on some sort of output to the input of water, what was your intensity? And so they used a lot of intensity factors so that they could make this information comparable and they could compare, you know, companies against each other. So they used some uh, waste intensity factors. They talked, they um, took a look at whether or not companies had a statement about recycled waste. 
thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their intensity factors, all the environmental intensity factors were against revenue. So non-recycled waste against revenue. Do you have a statement about recycled waste carbon intensity? So carbon, like um, carbon emissions, like tons of carbon per dollar. So give some examples of what carbon would be. So if you did, if you turn on a light and you're using energy and you're using kilowatt hours and you take the kilowatt hours and you multiply it times times this <laughs> long number that gives you what is called a CO2e or carbon dioxide equivalent you can figure out what your greenhouse gas is are what your you know That's what your right. ghg emissions are it's really simple math it's nothing to be scared of and one day maybe we'll do a class on how to do your own ghg inventory but those are your carbon emissions and so they look at emissions per revenue and that could also include like if you have fleet right like fuel emissions, mm-hmm. anything that... Not just light bulbs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anything that you're using and burning that is creating energy to do something. And even if a company isn't tracking their carbon emissions for the sake of tracking carbon emissions, it really is like an energy audit, right? There's like money to be saved by looking at what your energy bill is and any of these really waste or energy or yeah absolutely i mean between buildings and transportation Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good information out there and so just calculate what yours is Mm -hmm. we talk about that in episode five i think so energy intensity uh, carbon intensity so we've got energy use and carbon so we take that energy use and we turn it into that CO2 equivalent number, whether or not they have a statement about renewable energy. I loved this. Right. So that's solar, wind, hydro. Hydro, all kinds of things. And depending on where you are and where your offices are, where your manufacturing facilities are in Florida, people, you know, automatically say solar, but it's almost like we don't have hydro here. We don't have geothermal. We do have it in some places. Mm -hmm. But then the reason that they use intensity factors is so that they could compare maybe a company that's based in Florida, and there's a bunch of them on the list. We were so excited to see some of our neighbors right here in St. Pete and Tampa Mm -hmm. on the list that you can then compare them against a company in, in maybe up north somewhere that uses a lot of hydropower. So water use intensity and also examples of environmental projects in your CSR report. And then also, this is a biggie, they wanted to know that you were, it's my favorite, they wanted to know that the company was reporting to CDP. So CDP used to be called the Carbon Disclosure Project. Now it's just called CDP because they are a nonprofit that sits between investors and companies and the investors say, CDP, we would like to know about this company's climate change risk and opportunity if they need to report on the CDP report. Um, for climate change, or they could be reporting water, or they could be reporting on the forestry platform for CDP. So if you've been asked, they wanted to know if you responded. So that's it. So waste, emissions, energy use, water use, and how you are engaging around environmental impacts, what um, examples you put in your CSR report, and then if you are reporting to CDP. Right. Pretty simple stuff. 
Yep. On these environmental KPIs. So if it's kind of a yes, no, and some of these too. So they would just get a point off. They wouldn't get kicked out if like, yeah. for example, they weren't reporting to CDP. Yeah. But you want to answer yes to a lot of them. <laughs> right. For sure. <laughs> to get in the top 300. Okay. So, so Barbara, social KPIs. So the social ones. And I think what's so interesting for us when we talk about CSR is I think a lot of people think, oh, this is giving money, you know, to the charity down the street and doing a walk for a specific cause when it's so much more. And Especially under the social umbrella, as Janet said earlier, this is really what investors are looking for. These are super important to consider. And like Janet said, these are really doable in your companies. So there's three different areas within the social KPIs. And I'll go through those and then dive in a little bit more. The first is leadership diversity. Second is about your employees. And third is philanthropy and engagement. So it's on there, but it's not the only thing under social. So the first one is leadership diversity. They're looking for, and pay attention to this one because the investor firms are really looking for this. They're making big decisions. What is the share of women in the board of directors? So like how many women are on your board in terms of the total number of people on your board. They're also looking for how many women are on your executive team compared to how many people are on your executive team. And then last is the share of minorities in your board of directors. And that's, again, based on the number on your board. And this is really, the if you ask why, it's because any company, it's better to have diverse input, both gender and race, in your decision-making. People bring different skill sets. They bring different opinions, different experiences. And so if you have the same demographic making all of the decisions, in the short term, it might be easier, but in the long run, it might not be as quality of decisions. So that's why they're looking at the first one, leadership diversity. The second is about employees. And they're looking first at the lost time incident rate. So how many injuries were reported in your company based on the total number of hours work. And and safety is always a top priority for a lot of companies. And so how is this initiative in your company paying off in terms of safety? And the second one that we talk a lot about is employee turnover. So this is retention. And as leaders know, that costs a lot to replace someone, to attract them, get them on board, get them ramped up. So employee turnover is a key component. And that was they looked at that in terms of the number of departures based on the average total employees. And then last in terms of employees was the training hours. So are you as an employer investing in your team members? And that was uh, based on the training hours per employee. Last of the social components is philanthropy and engagement. They looked at the average volunteer hours per employee. So are you letting employees volunteer? Probably this was on company time, I would presume. Do you have a human rights policy? Yes or no? Black and white. Do you have one or not? <laughs> so if if your company is practicing human rights, make sure that you have a formal policy and that it's publicly available. The next two are around charitable giving. So this is how much is your company giving based on its revenue? So what's the percentage? And an average kind of a baseline is 1% of gross revenue or net revenue, depending on what model you want to look at. And then the last is, do you have examples of social projects in your CSR report? So are you just talking about it? What do you have specific examples? So that's the social components. And um, those are all just good things. And we say this a lot, um, don't we, Janet, that this is just really managing a, a good management of a company. 
Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. And also don't forget that um, so these a lot of these companies um, that are on this list do show these things in their CSR report. But um, not everybody goes and reads the CSR report. <laughs> a lot of millennials mm-hmm. and Gen Zs and people that are just consuming your company's goods and services in any way, shape or form, they need to see it on social media, too. So don't don't just stick it in a CSR report. We want to see what's going on. It's fun. Yeah. And in this one, as a reminder, I, like we said earlier, I don't think the companies knew this was taking place. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even from what we understand, like the company could go, oh, let me get you that human rights policy. It has to be public information. already. Yeah. I love that this just kind of like came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. so yeah, we were really excited because we have colleagues at a lot of the companies that are on the list. And, yeah. and it was a, a really proud nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super proud of them. So on the governance KPIs, they looked at two dimensions, disclosure and transparency, and then economic performance. So under the disclosure and transparency, a lot of it is about the CSR report. So what's the scope of the report? And when we talk about the scope of the report, it could be that it's only for one section of your company or it's for your whole company. Mm-hmm. What are you covering in that CSR report? Is there a CSR section in your annual report? Just the CSR section. They were not looking for, are you part of integrated reporting? Just are you talking about the fact that this is important to your company? Mm -hmm. Do you have a CSR section on your website? You know, some people have a, Mm -hmm. a tab that says corporate responsibility or sustainability or whatever. Do you have a tab on your website that says, yes, this is what we're doing? Is your CSR report within the Global Reporting Initiative Guidelines, GRI? So GRI has some basic standards for this is what, if you're just making a report, these are the most basic things that you need to have in your report. And then there are some other criteria that they ask you to report on that's a little deeper into your company. And some of them are for specific industries. So they have some standards that are for specific industries. So that's a GRI Global Reporting Initiative, because they want to see that you have actually made your report against a guideline and a methodology mm-hmm. so you don't leave anything out. And it helps people who look up companies compare apples to apples, too. If you're yeah. looking for one specific thing, yeah. maybe say like employee turnover rate, you can go to that same exact, what do you call it? Like Section. Fr- yeah, framework or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then your report would have a list of all the topics and what page that employee turnover is Yeah, on. yeah. So that's the GRI index. Right. Yeah, yeah. Index, so thank you. you have to have a GRI index. And then uh, lastly, on the disclosure and transparency section was compliance or uh, compl- it says compliance slash anti-corruption guidelines. So they want to see that you've got some yes ethics, no. yes or no, ethics, mm-hmm. anti-corruption, bribery, compliance with laws, all that good stuff. And then over on the economic performance, they took a look at a few different ratios, net profit, operating cash flow, some things like that, current ratio, gross margins, and just some financial economic performance ratios so that they can see that you're actually performing well. Because we know that companies that do (laughs) have really good ESG scores, environment, social, and governance scores, or corporate social responsibility practices, definitely outperform those who don't. And then lastly, under economic performance is innovation capacity. So what are your R&D 
research and development Mm -hmm. expenses against your revenue. What are you doing to innovate? Yep. So thanks for that on the governance, Janet. And I think um, one thing that I would like to reinforce on that is I think a lot of times people think CSR is an expense only, that there's not a return. We don't have a budget for that. (laughs) Or that there's not a return on investment or an ROI. And that can be farther from the truth. The governance section is often just called economic because Companies have to make money to survive or to be sustainable in the long term financially. So for anybody who ever thought that it didn't include companies making a better profit, that is um, outlined here as it is in most of the evaluation. So that's the three parts, environment, social and governance of the KPIs or the KP, key performance indicators that the survey look for. And now let's jump into the questions, yes. which is kind of a unique component of the Newsweek survey to that they actually asked 6,500 U.S. citizens in about a 10 minute survey conducted online about their perception of these companies. And again, this counted for 30% in each of these three areas of their score. So it it really could have moved one company on or off the list or up or down it. So do you want to go through the environment one, Janet, the three questions that they asked U.S. citizens? Sure, yes. So is the company active in protecting the environment? Does the company meet relevant environmental standards? It's one of those things that you definitely need to talk about on your website. Mm -hmm. The company uses resources responsibly and acts in an environmentally friendly way. That's right. And what is your perception of that? (laughs) You know, and so if you aren't telling your story, they have no perception. So they would have probably scored your love. So Mm -hmm. we always say companies are doing great things. They just aren't telling their story. So tell that story. Another reason why. So the second piece of that on the social side, the three questions they asked are, is the company committed to good causes? Is it a popular employer? Which that's kind of an interesting one, like popular, define popular. And then the third one is the company supports diversity and is committed to increasing the number of women and ethnic minorities in its workforce. So we've talked in previous episodes about the different generations and how they're just so passionate about diversity in the workforce and definitely the financial markets are interested in the percentage of women who are involved in the leadership of the company, both on the team as executives, as well as on the board and minorities on the board too, and in leadership positions. All right. So what's the last question, set of questions under governance, Janet? So the G in ESG is governance. Mm -hmm. So the company is transparent with its public disclosures. They want to know. You know, are you, what are they mm-hmm. or what are they talking about? Are they being transparent? The company handles sensitive data with care. That's a really nice way of saying, <laughs> is my identity going to be protected? Is yeah. my data going to be protected? And then that the company works against all forms of corruption. And I would say that. So that's underneath the uh, ethics and bribery piece and just being a, a good corporate citizen and, and, uh, and looking out for people. So to sum it up, we've got the three areas, environment, social governance, where they asked the technical questions that probably they had people, <laughs> if you think of 2,000 companies. I can't even imagine. You and I do a lot of research. <laughs> I can't imagine looking at 2000 companies, especially because you and I know that even when we do research, that this information is all over the place. 
in companies. Sometimes it's a little piece in an annual report, a piece in a corporate responsibility report. Then there's other stuff on your website. And so for them to go through this was, I mean, hats off to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Huge nod to Newsweek magazine for this investment was Statista. Statista. So that's the framework. We thought we'd call out a few companies. I think we could maybe list. This is like Christmas. I'm so excited. It was. I think we could maybe first list the top 10 companies to see if anybody has any surprises. Um, So we'll start with number 10 and work up. How's that? Sure. Sounds great. So uh, number 10 is Jones Lang LaSalle, the property management company. Number nine is Comerica Banking. Number eight is General Mills. So in food, and um, we actually have done some research on them, and they deserve to be in number eight with their reporting. Number seven is Citigroup. Again, financial services. NVIDIA is number six, and you can say what they are and then take us up to number one. Okay, so yeah, so NVIDIA, I remember when I was at at Apple, um, NVIDIA was absolutely leading the charge on some really cool technology around graphics. And I think they've continued on to do some really great work. So super excited to see them on the list. Number five, Microsoft. Number four, Intel. These are all the, we're getting techie here. Number three is Dell. Number two is Cisco, C-I-S-C-O, not the food company. And number one, HP. Drum roll, HP. So, yep. So that's the top 10. We thought we'd call out a few companies here we have colleagues at or have some relationship with. You want to start, Janet? Sure. The first thing that caught my eye was Salesforce. They're number 26. And we've talked about them on other podcasts Mm -hmm. before because I just think that they're 1% plan where they really just allow their employees to have a say in how they're going to give back is incredible. Plus, I mean, talk about a company that's, I mean, they employ a ton of millennials. They're going to be having a ton of Gen Zs in their workforce and they do it right. Their training is unbelievable. Their training is unbelievable. And just the way they give back is just, is great. I thought it was awesome. And then number 44, Nielsen, who's one of our neighbors. And we have good friends that work there. Tampa Bay area. That's right. They're doing such amazing work and diversity. And one of my um, good friends is on their sustainability um, team. So I was super excited to see them on there. And and we've actually participated in some of the forums that they've had. They Uh open their doors and invite people in and kind of give behind the scenes on some of their research. So you go, Nielsen. Yay. And then Janet, number 45. Oh, ha! State Street. State Street. I'm so excited to see them on here, too. State Street um, led the way with the female board directors, I think, last year in their letter to boards and CEOs said that you need to have at least one female board member. And um, so they're just doing great work along with a couple of other companies that are institutional investors um, that are really leading the way on the importance of incorporating ESG into your company. Yeah. And even some of the financial decisions I've made with my personal investments is based on what State Street has laid out. And I have to give a shout out to some of my colleagues from when I lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Myself, along with some really super smart colleagues, started an organization called the DFW for Dallas-Fort Worth, DFW Corporate Citizenship Network. And 
And in large part because we had so many companies headquartered in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I look on this list and see how many are on this list. So I have to give a a virtual high five to my colleagues there. The first is number 47, Kimberly Clark, doing some amazing things there with both on the company side and their foundation. And then number 62 is Floor Corporation, so the big engineering firm. Um, maybe not a household name, but doing some really great things. And really, in a few short years, they've really ramped up. So hats off to my colleagues there. And I don't want to call any names because we haven't gotten their permission. But you know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> and then Janet, what? who's number 78? Oh, my gosh. 78, Bank of America. Bank of America is another. They've just, I mean, incredible. And I don't think that people really understand what Bank of America has been able to accomplish and what they are completely focused on in providing financial services, totally focused on what ESG is to their company and financial services, how they are taking a look at incorporating all of their relevant environment, social and governance topics, how they're managing it. They've gone from doing a separate ESG report. Now they have a fully integrated report. So if you guys want to take a look at what an integrated annual report looks like, look at Bank of America's. They really, I mean, man, they're they it's amazing. I will say as a Bank of America customer since 1991, I never see that as a customer. I know. You know what? It's a... The, <laughs> This is how I got on this whole path, right? When I was at Xerox, they're like, you have to tell your sustainability story. That's one of the things when you walk into a Bank of America branch and Bank of America, we're happy to help you with this, people. Those people, those are your brand ambassadors, the tellers. And I don't not see it on my story. app or anywhere. So Bank of America, it's you're doing bad. great things. And you you're not telling your into story, the messaging. Right? Yeah, for sure. And when I've told people that before, they've been surprised to hear that Bank Very of America surprised. is doing that. So, so, And I have a colleague that a buddy from college who works for Bank of America and has shared some of the incredible things that she's had opportunities to participate in, in internal education and environment, social and governance. And then number 81, we're excited to see when we actually in Tampa Bay started the Tampa Bay Corporate Responsibility Network of peers and colleagues in the Tampa Bay area. Some dear friends of ours from Herman Miller were there, and they've had a huge long history of what they've done in terms of their furniture and wellness and workforce productivity and everything. So, And now uh, our friend from Herman Miller in Tampa moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and now she's involved in the DFW corporate. I love it. And so as colleagues that I have to shout out here, other DFW corporate citizenship colleagues, Texas Instruments mm-hmm. and FedEx. We have another colleague who's recently moved to FedEx um, and just started getting involved there. And Texas Instruments, I have to say, you know, and my journey in, in corporate social responsibility, uh, one of the rock stars, this was years ago. So it was this in the um, late 90s. She was just a rock star to me, really involved with Boston College Center for Corporate Citizenship. And I remember being at, I think it was at one of their conferences. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm sitting behind her. (laughs) (gasps) I wonder if I could like say hi, you know, and she turned around and she knew my name. (gasps) And I was like, (gasps) oh. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, so mentors are important. And she turned out to be a dear friend and continued to be a mentor for years. 
So that's great memory there. And they've continued to just do some amazing things with their engineering staff. And then number 97, a previous employer where I was in human resources and some different departments there was American Airlines. So go American Airlines. And they've really recently updated or upped their commitment to fighting human trafficking. So a huge nod to them. Number 118, Jabel, one of our neighbors right here, uh, headquartered in the Tampa Bay area. That's right. And then other DFW corporate citizenship colleagues, Southwest Airlines, some friends there. They've always done some cool stuff there. And then we've got a dear friend and a colleague at Tyson Foods, number 158. And then on a number 166, West Pharmaceutical Services, they hired their first corporate responsibility professional, gosh, maybe four or five years ago. Look how they've come so And look far. at that. I'm mm-hmm. so excited. I can't wait to send them a note later today and yeah. say, I'm so proud of you <laughs> because yeah, they just said, here, go and do this because the CEO was like, we, we need to, we need to get our head wrapped around this. And uh, here they are, 166. Yep. And close to them is 170 Coca-Cola. Some colleagues yeah. from the Tampa Bay Corporate Responsibility Network, they're um, of Coke, Florida, mm-hmm. doing some really great things in short order here. And then one of your employers, Janet, yeah. 179. 179, Xerox, the whole reason that I had started down this path. They're still there. And I knew, you know, 11 years ago, Gosh, yeah, 11, 12 years ago when I was at Xerox and they said, you need to learn our sustainability story. And we talk about this in the About Us podcast, that it literally changed my life. And I'm so happy to see that they're still doing what they do because their manufacturing and engineering processes are just, they're incredible, absolutely incredible. And number 253 is Ameriprise Financial. And so I'm proud of that because that's where my advisor is as Ameriprise Financial. And he really has taken it upon himself to really learn the ESG space, what it meant to me. And it's interesting because he's taken his knowledge of the importance of providing services for his customers catered to ESG investment. In other words, where I wanted my personal funds, I had to walk the talk, right? And I see that the returns are higher. And he's introduced that to a number of his clients in a Texas market that you would think that maybe people weren't thinking as sustainably. And he said eight or nine times out of 10 that they move in that direction. And he did say, especially if it was a female involved in the conversation. So, um, so yeah, so he's um, advancing that. And we continue to see more and more articles about financial advisors needing to pay attention. And uh, number 258, Yum! Brands was also part of the DFW Corporate Citizenship Network. We had rock stars there. You did, they're still there. I know, they're doing some great things. (laughs) And then 284, Oh, 284. Oh, wait, Apple's on there too, 259. Yeah, I I worked for Apple for a while. A lot of fun. 284, Morgan Stanley. And Morgan Stanley is where my financial advisor is. And the whole reason that I do business with Morgan Stanley is exactly for that reason. Mm -hmm. I know that my, um, I'm in really high ESG rated portfolios. I feel good about where it is and I feel good about the companies that I'm supporting. 
And they're just rock stars anyway. Yeah, yeah, they're doing some great <laughs> things. And then last but not least, figuratively and literally, is Amazon.com at number 300. And the person who leads that there was actually a, a colleague and a consultant to me when I was leading global corporate responsibility. And so um, she's done some amazing things and built some programs out in short order there, too. And not an easy job. Yeah. How would you yeah. Like, Hi, you just got hired to lead sustainability at Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting. It looks like <laughs> she's really hired a lot of engineers and process people and yeah. logistics. So it's, it's it, like every company has its area that it needs to focus on. And in our episode five, we've got our CSR made easy in three steps. So if you're trying to figure out where do I fall in this and what should my company do, or you want to tighten up maybe your existing one, that's a great episode to listen to. Go to destinationbetter.com slash five, and you can download that one. And in terms of telling your story, we did a series, episodes six, seven, and eight about internal, external, and investor communications. So those are on our website as well, destinationbetter.com. Wow, this has been really fun and a lot of information. And I hope that people will take a look at the links that we're going to have on our website for the report and really see that these are really important dimensions for companies to be looking at. And even if you're not reporting, I always say, look, if you're interested, just go gather the data inside your company. Mm -hmm. Somebody has this data, go gather it. See if do it for the last three to five years. It won't be that difficult. And you may have this really awesome story to tell and you're not telling it. And you've got this amazing asset sitting there and maybe you're not using it. So we hope that you'll take this and maybe do a little digging in your own companies and then go to destinationbetter.com, click on our say hello tab and just leave us a little voicemail and tell us how you're doing. If you have any questions or if you want us to dig deep into one of these topics, we're happy to do so. Yep. In episodes 10 and 11, we talked about Gen Zs and millennials, and they are looking for companies who are managing these things and telling their stories. So if those two groups of young individuals are anybody you want to hire, anybody you want to be your customers, anybody if they're in your communities, yeah. this is super key and uh, crucial for them in terms of the decisions that they make in purchasing and in investing, working. So all of that. So thank you for joining us. We are on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. If you're in this field and you want to join us and have some conversations there. And we're on YouTube for the videos as well as Instagram and LinkedIn. So thanks for joining us. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. Find tools and additional episodes on our website, destinationbetter.com. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a voice message on our contact page. Don't worry, Barbara and Janet aren't millennials. They actually listen to voicemails. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. 